Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker and Jill has nominated Tina and Tama as a game changer. And we're so excited to have both of these ladies here to talk more about this incredible mission and platform that they have been a part of. So ladies, first of all, congratulations on your game changer nomination and welcome. We're so excited to learn more about the great work that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for having us, Dr. Becker. Um, as Tina has spoken earlier, we have been following you and Dr. Mercola for many years, and we're so happy to be part of, of your program that you started um, in reaction to COVID. So thank you. Um, Tina and I are co-presidents for Houston Pet Set, and what we have done is um, taken an organization that used to just raise funds for other animal nonprofits, and we've we've in, in doing so, we've learned that um, there is a major problem in Houston on our streets with animal homelessness. So we've looked at this problem and said, why don't we just solve the problem? So um, we joined the board of Houston Pet Set in 2007, and was we were raising funds and loving what we were doing. We're meeting wonderful people. These these rescue groups on the front lines are really doing heartbreaking and backbreaking work. And it was wonderful to see all the work that they were doing and all the progress they were making. But after doing it for a few years, we realized that the problem was getting worse and not better. And, and so we had to dive into that. Why was it getting worse and not better with all the efforts going into it, the, the millions of dollars, the um, tens of thousands of volunteers, um, what was going on that, we, why was Houston different than other, other major metropolitan cities in the U.S.? So we did a little bit of a deep dive and decided that, you know, this is a solvable problem in any city. Um, doesn't have to just be Houston. If you have a problem with animal homelessness in any city, this is solvable, but how do you solve it? So we did a lot of strategic planning and have, have worked on a solution um, and in the process have joined forces with a lot of the nonprofits that we work with, with, that we were just funding and supporting. We've developed programs to target some of these areas that we know will help solve the problem of animal homelessness. Amazing. Tina? Yes, well, lots of times we can just say ditto. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very much, very much the same. Um, I've, I've been um, an animal lover all my life. When I was five years old, I told my dad that I, I wanted to have a dog farm. So, um, meaning a, a rescue group. I didn't know at the time that it wasn't it wouldn't be a farm, but I wanted to just take in all the, the dogs that didn't have a place to go. So, um, I feel honored to be doing this work in in Houston, Texas. Um, when Tam and I both moved here um, at separate times from um, various places, she moved from London. I moved from Minneapolis. But when we got here, it was hard to look away. Um, from how bad the issue is. It was hard to look away from the suffering. And, um, and so that's why, why we do what we do. Um, it's, it's, as Tama said, different than any other city in the U.S. And um, we've got a lot of work to do, but it's all doable. 
So Tina, can you, have you identified why it's different? I was unaware that this, that Houston was, most major cities have a major overlay, uh, an overpopulation problem, but can, have you been able to identify the differences for your city? Well, it's a bit of a, a perfect storm, um, you know, coming from Minneapolis, where the winters are very cold and an outdoor animal will not survive. That's different in Texas. We're, we're, we have a year round um, survivable climate. And so animals tend to breed year round. Um, additionally, we have a very um, spread out city. There are a lot of rural po pockets where animals can hide, breed, live. And um, we have a very diverse um, uh, uh, demographic. And so that also contributes to street animals or community animals. And, um, and that just doesn't work in a major metropolitan area. Street animals or, or community animals um, tend to breed, they tend to run, they tend to get hit by cars, and it just, it, it doesn't work. So there are a lot of things that contribute to this. Additionally, the problem is gone um, kind of unchecked for decades. Um, it's, Houston has been very far behind in terms of addressing this issue systemically. And so when you look at cities like San Francisco or New York, they started years ago on working on this problem and, and Houston is still playing catch up. And after you've made this strategic plan, which is brilliant, you recognize that your best efforts weren't uh, cohesive enough to strategically get ahead of the problem. Since you've instituted more of a, a, a pinpointed strategic approach, are you seeing, are you beginning to see the fruits of your labor? Are you beginning to see a change, a decrease in the number of homeless animals? Are you able, are your adoption or placement rates beginning to grow? Or what shifts have you seen since you have intentionally been planning for filling in some of these holes that you have identified? I would say our biggest success has been in raising awareness. There are, as Tina said, there are so many rural pockets in Houston and the surrounding Houston area that um, these animals are, are creating the backlog in the shelter system. So uh, in the areas, in some areas of Houston, people aren't even aware of this problem. So our greatest success was making this a part of the conversation when you talk about quality of life in a city and moving the needle that way, because not we know not everyone cares about animals the way we do, but they do care about economic development. They do care what their city looks like. They do care um, about about just being a civilized society. So I'd say that our, our greatest success is, is just that raising awareness. And then also in our collaboration, um, we've definitely partnered with a lot of people doing a lot of good work. We've created a little bit of a community, I would say, um, in, in some of the groups wanting to work together to solve this problem. Um, have we made strides to see the numbers decline in our shelters. Um, we have, I think we have two things that really have stood in our way of actually seeing those numbers um, decrease with, along with all of the other issues that, that are just systemic in our city. But one is Hurricane Harvey um, was really rough on our city, really tough on our city. And not only did people suffer, but animals suffered greatly. And I think that put Houston behind a little bit 
um, and, and not Houston, but at least Houston Pet Set in our mission. It also helped launch us too, because a lot of the programs we were going to develop, we had to kick off immediately. So it really gave us the kick that we needed to, to implement some of the programs for this. And then COVID, of course, um, you know, when COVID hit and you shut down an economy, you and shut down city offices, you shut down your shelters and you shut down ACOs working, going out and picking up animals. And so that has, I feel like that has set us behind as well. But as far as the conversation goes, Houston is now talking about this. We see this um, and know the data we've put out, the data we've collected, the, the surveys we've commissioned. We know that this is now a conversation that gets lumped in with other conversations about quality of life in Houston, because it truly is affecting quality of life in a lot of neighborhoods. It's fantastic that you are, in, in one way, you have developed a potential model that other cities that, I don't wanna say are late to the game, but I grew up in Iowa and still in Iowa, we do not have shelter systems in place that are viably looking for alternatives to euthanasia. And my, my thought was there are people who are doing this in other communities that potentially it could become a template for people looking to initiate a more humane approach, a viable, more humane approach to managing homeless animals. And you've done it. You've done it by trial by fire and that you've had to, like you said, kick off some of these programs prior to or initiating them out of desperation. But out of that, you have succinctly and probably quite rapidly uh, done an, an incredible amount of work in a very short period of time because you've, you've had to. And in one way that the fruits of your labor will be seen over the course of the next 10 and 20 years because you're rapidly putting together a program to identify where these issues are and then a plan to fix them, which is brilliant. I'm sure exhausting at times, and I'm sure um, a, a lot of hard work. But both of you get up every morning being re-inspired to do what you do. So what do you love most about all of the diversified roles and tasks and jobs that you both are doing? Um, we'll start with you, Tamil. What do you love most about your volunteer role? Uh, I get emotional when you ask me that because um, as Tina said, we're so blessed to be able to do this work, truly blessed to be able to do this. Because when you see suffering and you can't do anything, it's very hard. If you see suffering and you can do something, it's rewarding. So I would say that all of the success stories, knowing that fewer animals will be suffering, um, seeing you know a dog, I, I, there's just so many stories, but seeing these stories and knowing that you're making a difference I think is the most rewarding thing. And it is inspiring to wake up every day and see my two little street dogs. One is a pit bull and Houston has a huge problem with overbreeding of pit bulls. And so um, he reminds me every day in his gentle way about the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other animals still on Houston streets that are suffering. It's 36 degrees outside this morning. Um, we're very, grateful to be able to have reduced the number of animals on the streets. But yes, every day I do wake up inspired because of my, my Sonny Corleone, who is the pit bull in my house. And, um, and knowing, I tell him, I say, I've got, a, I've got more like you out there that I've got to work for Sonny. I've got, I've got to save others like you. So I think just being able to um, not feel that pain of suffering and seeing the animals suffer is, is the most rewarding thing. And also seeing our city start to embrace this and start to talk about this as they talk about other issues. It's, 
um, we've come a long way. It, and as you said, that that foundation has been laid and we're still laying it, but um, the fruits of our labor, I know we will see that much more in the years to come. So I look forward to that. That's beautiful. And um, I think the fact that you're presenting this as a, the, your overpopulation problem in your area as, as a social issue that you would address as any other evolution in the ethical care of creatures in your area. It's, it's fantastic that you have this on the docket as something that as a community you are striving to fix. And that just comes through awareness. So that has to be quite um, a feeling of satisfaction for both of you as well. Tina, is there something in the morning when, when you wake up that gets you out of bed and makes you think that um, uh, you're so incredibly thankful for the opportunity to be able to do what you do? Yes, I, it's so true that, um, as Tama said, just wanting to mitigate the suffering. Um, she said, when you see it, it's it's really hard to look away and knowing that you can make a difference um, is rewarding. I got a Christmas card this year from one of my foster doggies moms and he was a little um, pit bull mix that had lived on the streets probably most of his life, skin missing on all of his elbows, had probably never lived in a house, skinny, and now he's living a great life. And those those examples demonstrate, um, you know, what what is important about what we do? You know, we we want to solve the problem and we look at this strategically, but it's also those those individual heartbeats that are so important to us. And every time we do a transport, we say, um, and the transport is moving animals from the south to the north, we say, God bless the bus and, and God bless all the heartbeats on it because that's what they are. They're all beating hearts. And there's not a one of them that we don't love no matter what. Um, and I think the other thing that's really rewarding is seeing and inspiring is seeing the other people that do this work. There are so many, and it's interesting that it's a lot of a lot of women um, that get up every day and they have 10 or 12 foster dogs in their homes or they run a nonprofit and then they go to their regular jobs and then they come home at night and they vet their animals. And then on weekends they do adoption events or they do you know big mash style spay neuter events, whatever it may be. They never take a day off. In animal rescue, there isn't a day off. There isn't a holiday. There isn't um, a, you know, a week that goes by where you're not interrupted one night with some major case that needs help. So um, I think seeing all of the people that give so much of themselves quietly and thanklessly, and they do it, as we say, for the animals, it continues to inspire us. And we're so grateful to be partnered with so many of those really wonderful people. Yeah, it sounds to me like you have done all of the necessary legwork, the footwork of laying the foundation of the networks necessary to have the communication and the resources in place so that as you move your mission forward, there's an exponential effect of your ability to reach your ultimate goal. So you've just done a great job of laying that, that foundation. It will be very fun for me to interview you both in a decade and see the progress. But before that, I couldn't agree with you more. The soul that was saved, even if it's one, that alone, even if the overall stats aren't shifting or even if the overall stats are getting worse, the fact that you are saving busfuls of souls matters. And so it's fantastic that you can see that in place and recognize on a bigger scale the mission that has yet that is yet to come it's wonderful tina if you could 
let the world know one thing about the, the platform or the mission that you're involved with, what would it be? I think the world needs to know that we have a problem, that, that there is a major problem with how animals are treated um, in our community, in our state, and, and, and across the South. It's, it's very different. My dog is sneezing, excuse him. Um, it's, <laughs> um, uh, we need resources. I don't think that we're going to solve this just from within Houston. I think we're going to need national resources. And if there's anyone out there that has the ability to help us, we need help. We'll take all the help we can get because something has to change. Um, if we're going to be a civilized society, we've got to change the landscape for animals in our community. And just on that, on that note, for people that would like more information or to get in contact with your organization, where would they go, Tina? To our website, um, HoustonPetSet.org, that has everything um, about what we're doing, the programs that we're running, the initiatives, and then um, it also has our strategic plan. So it talks um, uh, a lot of, it shows a lot about what, what we're doing, where we've been, and where we're going. Beautiful. And Tama, if there was one thing that you would like the world to know about this very important work that you're doing, what would it be? I would say adopt, don't shop. And um, Tina and I have both had purebred Westies. We love them. I will have one again in my lifetime, not against breeding, um, but it has to be breeding responsibly. And right now when we're a nation that breeds uh, you know, over a million animals a year and we also euthanize over a million animals a year, you've got to look at that. I mean, right now the, you could get any type of animal that you that you want. Any sort of um, breed has a rescue behind it. So I would say until we get this problem behind us, please look at breed specific rescues, look at rescuing dogs um, and adopt, don't shop until we get those numbers more evenly, even or cancel out those numbers. You know, there's no need to be euthanizing millions of animals every year at what, and, and breeding them at the same time. So please, look at fostering, look at helping those single heartbeats as we talked about earlier. It does make a difference. Yeah. Well, you both are inspiring humans on a mission to do incredible work in your community. Nothing better or more important than exactly what you two are doing. So congratulations on your well-deserved Game Changer Award. You are changing the playing field in your local community and it's inspiring for everyone around you. Thank you both for taking time today to join me and to tell me more about your fantastic mission. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Becker. So nice to meet you.